Welcome to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. The mission of this radio show is to enable every listener to achieve their career aspirations and advance their careers to achieve their potential and meet their financial goals. Now, here are your hosts, Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Welcome, Ken and Cheryl here, and we've got Bill Dyer. He's the Deputy Director of Financial Education for Military Officers Association of America. We're going to be celebrating our military services today in recognition of Memorial Day, and we just want to honor our military and our veterans for their service to our country. Without their sacrifices and, of course, that of their families, we could not enjoy the freedoms that we cherish so much. Today's guest is a West Point graduate who shall uh, share his insight on military career opportunities as well as the transition from military to civilian work. He's also going to share a little bit about the Military Officers Association of America, which is a wonderful organization that does some great service not only to their members but also for our country. So we're going to hear about that today. Well, before we get started, I just want to remind our listeners that we have created seven free videos to help you get a better job, better pay, and a better life. To access them, simply go to www betterjobbetterlife.com. Now, to give a brief uh, background on Phil, Phil Dyer is a graduate of the United States Military Academy of West Point and was commissioned as a second lieutenant in 1985. He served on active duty as an armor officer for five years and achieved the rank of captain. He separated from active duty in late 1990 to pursue opportunities in the private sector and has had successful careers in corporate sales and as a financial planner. He joined the staff of the Military Officers Association in 2003 and specializes in military financial education, military benefits education, and military to civilian transition programs. He's quoted in the media on military and general financial issues in publications such as the uh, Kiplinger's Personal Finance Magazine, Money Magazine, and, of course, in the major newspaper newspapers. Welcome, Phil. We're delighted to have you with us today. Thanks so much, Cheryl and Ken. And, of course, I'm very excited to be here, especially on this uh, incredibly important day for our nation and for the folks that, uh, you know, have served or currently serving and for their family members. It's a a real honor. So thank you very much for having me. Well, perhaps we could start, uh, Phil, just by having you share a little bit about uh, why you joined the Army, if you can kind of reminisce a little bit for us. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm having to kind of cast my mind pretty far back now. As, as <laughs> but uh, when I was uh, finishing up uh, kind of my high school career, I'd, I'd uh, you know, been relatively successful, you know, uh, president of the student body, and lettered in a couple of sports, and a pretty good student. Uh, but at that time, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, a couple opportunities out there for college, but uh, just really wasn't sure where I was going to go. And uh, in my junior year in high school, really started looking at the service academies because uh, with the four years there plus the five-year commitment afterwards, things were kind of at least partially mapped out, and since I didn't have any firm direction on, on where I wanted to go, that looked like a really good opportunity, uh, adventure, great education, a chance to do some you know some really cool things uh, that a lot of my peers wouldn't get the opportunity to do, and uh, actually applied to the Naval Academy as my first choice and to West Point almost as an afterthought. They were. Uh, I was. I lived in Maryland at the time on the East Coast, and uh, so just kind of applied to that as an afterthought. Ended up getting a conditional approval to Annapolis and an unconditional approval to West Point, and the the rest was kind of history. Well, congratulations. That's uh, 
you know, with the young people coming through high school, it's such a tough decision to know what direction to go in, and there's so much uh, writing on that decision that uh, what would you tell someone who who might be in that situation now, 17, 8 years, 18 years old, maybe um, graduating in June and not decided what they want to do, or maybe the younger juniors who might be thinking ahead to their graduation, uh, if they're considering the military, what what are the good points for them to consider about that uh, direction? Well, I think the first thing to, to realize is that if you decide to, to step into the military and are accepted, you're going to be in really good company because only about 25% of the current U.S. population will actually qualify for military service. The rest of the folks uh, will have things that will disqualify them from, from health issues to you know, being uh, you know, physically fit uh, to, to maybe having some, some challenges in their background. Uh, with with the law or other things, and so they're they're going to be in really almost an elite group of the American population right off the bat. The second thing is, you know, a lot of folks that I talk to, and uh, you know, my my brothers, I was mentioning, and, and when we were talking previously, he's uh, now now 19 years old and uh, is in Marine Recon. He very similar, you know, good student, um, you know, decent in sports, but didn't know what he wanted to do. And I think the military offers a great place. To, or a great opportunity, rather, to get to know yourself a lot better, to learn some amazing skill sets that are going to be applicable across the board, whether you decide to go into college afterwards or go into business or go work for an employer. And In fact, a lot of the skills are, are things that employers will look for, initiative and leadership and the ability to, to overcome obstacles. Plus, it gives you a clear direction from a you know, space of from two to six years, depending on the, the uh the enlistment that you would pursue. And so I think if, if somebody out there is sitting and listening to this and isn't sure what they want to do, you know, college, yeah, don't really like the way that looks, uh, aren't really sure about their job prospects, and, of course, in today's economy that's a real challenge, I think the military is a fantastic way to go. And I think just about everybody that certainly I've come in contact with that's come through the military, and I'm sure your experience is similar, uh, they all say it's one of the best things that they've ever done. And so I really strongly recommend folks uh, at least take a look at it, look at the opportunities, which are incredibly broad across the services, and, and at least think about making that an option. Well, Phil, I really appreciate you having you on the show. And um, as um, you flip through our book, Job Search the Total System, you'll notice that the preface was written by uh, is also a West Point graduate and a client of ours, and he's written an excellent introduction to Job Search the Total System. He's a great friend of ours, and... Uh, Matter of fact, he and Cheryl talked recently, and he's helping. Uh, what is he doing, Cheryl? Doing some rehab work for yeah, veterans. Yeah, he's got some uh, veterans um, uh, help uh, uh, home, kind of a home situation for those yeah, that are so, kind of trouble. You know, everybody uh, helps uh, veterans in any way they can, and I want to personally thank you for being on. We have many, many active military and veterans on today, and they're all uh, in our hearts, and we love them, and. We want to bless them and bless our country, and uh, thank you very much for being with us. Well, again, thank you for the opportunity. It is a real honor to be here, especially on, on today. Well, Phil, uh, I th- think you made a really excellent point. Um, I was not aware that only 25% of young people that, uh, um, you know, apply qualify, and I think that's a real challenge to uh, those uh, high school students. Uh, they may not be listening, but perhaps uh, their parents that are listening might want to um, make the archive available to them to challenge them that, you know, there are qualifying uh, issues 
and that if you're thinking about that direction for your career or you'd like to begin to consider it, that, you know, you need to be in shape. Uh, you need to make sure that you're eating right, your diet is good, that you're not overweight and keeping in shape because um, although the military does a lot to transform you once you get in and Ken can testify to that, um, you still have to have those qualifying um, uh, weights and uh, and health uh, taken care of, and there's so much that we can do individually to control those things. They're not just destiny. Isn't that right, Phil? Well, that, that's true. And just a quick point of clarification, it's not 25% of the applicants uh, actually get accepted to the military, but 25% of the overall U.S. population of, of kind of military service age will, will qualify. So, a lot, you know, a lot of the folks that uh, are, are you know, really overweight or, or not in great shape are probably not going to, going to apply, but only about a quarter of the folks that are out there in that, you know, 17, 18-plus range uh, are going to meet the qualifications to enter the military. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm glad you clarified that. Well, for those that are considering those issues, uh, what are some of the career opportunities that they can look forward to in a military career? Well, you know, Cheryl, how long do we have? An hour today? <laughs> because, you know, we could probably spend the entire time frame just talking about, you know, all of the different career opportunities. You know, obviously folks can go in in an enlisted status. Uh, folks can come through officer accession programs such as the service academies, uh, ROTC programs on campuses. And then for folks that already have a college degree, they can enter uh, through a direct commission source or officer candidate school. And But but when you look out there, you know, whether, you know, it's, it's a, a a pilot flying the you know either the latest manned or unmanned aircraft, uh, whether it's somebody piloting a nuclear submarine, whether it's somebody who uh, drives around on on M1 A2 tanks, which is uh, which is what I did. I was a, an, an armor officer, and uh, you know gets to run around in a 73 ton you know steel monster doing cool things. Uh, you know there's there's all kinds of neat stuff that you can do on the uh, just on the surface. But I think more importantly is that the military is using some of the most cutting-edge technology out there. They're on the forefront of, you know, in the, in the cyber, uh, kind of cyber warfare and communications area. They're doing all kinds of neat things with computers. You know, the entire military is basically, you know, computer-linked and networked today. And so from, you know, being on a frontline person to a support person to, uh, you know, somebody who may be in the, in the research area, there's really just limitless opportunities. And so I think, you know, a lot of times when we, when we look at the military, what immediately comes to mind, because it's what we see on TV all the time, and of course uh, in, in the, what Hollywood pushes, is the frontline fighter who's, uh, in, you know, in harm's way doing dangerous things. And certainly, you know, that's a, a big piece of it. There's a lot of folks that fall into that, but there are just a myriad of roles and different skill sets that people can learn in the military uh, across, across the services. And of course, you know, with Army, Air Force, uh, Navy, Marines, and then, and, the, and then the Coast Guard folks, which you know, technically fall under Homeland Security, uh, but we really consider them to be a uniform service as well. Well, that's a tremendous overview. And, you know, I know that you've had a great career in the civilian workforce, um, Phil, both in sales as well as financial planning. What um, made you decide to join the Military Officers Association? 
Well, I'll kind of take you back to 2001, and, you know, the, the attack on the Twin Towers on September 11th of that year affected me, uh, as it did the, you know, the, the majority of the nation, uh, in a very profound way. And I looked at initially uh, joining my, I'd been at the course off of active duty for a number of years, and looked at uh, joining the Maryland National Guard at that point, got relatively far along in that process, and then uh, my wife and I found out that we were expecting our first child, and I faced a little bit of a revolt at home, and going in that direction. And so what I started doing was then looking around at what organizations out there were having a, a significant impact on military folks uh, and where my skill set as a financial educator and financial planner could be of use, and through uh, you know an introduction of a friend of a friend, you know networking is, is a critical skill. Uh, I was introduced to the Military Officers Association of America and actually brought in to consult with them on a particular project. And in the process of, of that uh, project work, was offered a position. Uh, as their uh, basically their first financial educator, and accepted that in mid two thousand three, and have been doing it now for uh, just shy of seven years. Wow, that's that's really great. Well, uh, then that was a very deliberate move on your part, uh, Phil. Tell us a little bit about the association and how it makes a contribution, uh, not only to the officers who are members, but also uh, to the general um, population. Well, MOAA uh, is the largest and, and really the most influential association of military officers nationally. Uh, it's an independent, nonprofit, and politically nonpartisan organization. Uh, we currently have over 370,000 members, and that, that and that includes folks that are active okay. duty, National right. Guard, reserve, retired, former officers, and their survivors. And really what we advocate on uh, is we speak on, on a strong national defense and representing the interest of military officers at, at all stages of their careers. Now, even though we're an officer-only association, we really take a, a, a role as servant leaders very, very seriously. And so everything that we're out advocating on, talking on, all of the programs that we have, and uh, we do across the association, uh, I think somewhere of about, uh, upwards of about 400 presentations on military installations nationally with our, our road team. Um, Everything that we do is open to the officer side and the enlisted side with regards to the to the uh, the programs, the education things, uh, and so we we do that across the board for folks. Excellent. Well, we'll talk more about that as we get into the the show, but we're going to take a little bit of a break right now, and when we get back, we'll learn more about the Military Officers Association and a little bit about transitioning to civilian work. So stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. 
Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Phil Dyer, and we're talking about um, the Military Officers Association of America and also today uh, celebrating our military services. And, Ken, I know you wanted to share uh, an observation that you have. I do. Um, uh, Phil, as you know so well and you experience this as we do uh we have american heroes men and women around the world serving our country and defending our country and um we're always uh reaching out in every way we can to help them and meet with them and counsel with them and coach them and that's what cheryl and i do and i know you do and many of our veterans do but what really strikes us is when a young hero comes back to uh, America, but but they come in a hearse, and a uh, 20-year-old Marine was uh, killed in Afghanistan um, two weeks ago in uh, a little town called Tomball right out of Texas, and, and there were people lined up with flags for miles and miles, and it just kind of shows you how many little towns like Tomball around the country are suffering because of their heroes coming back. But it's a price we pay to be Americans, but so many Americans don't necessarily understand or even appreciate uh, what our veterans and our active military do. And, and I know you'll support uh, Cheryl and I in you know, thanking them and thanking our country for being as wonderful as it is. Well, well Ken, absolutely. And, and you know, I think one of the perhaps disconnects right now is we essentially have 1% of the American population doing all of the heavy lifting Absolutely. with the conflicts that have been going on, you know, for, the, for basically the last seven to nine years. Absolutely. And that's the military member and, and their families. And for, for the vast bulk of the, the country, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, something that they see every once in a while on the evening news, but the, the sacrifice of the service members, of the service members' families, and, and as you just uh, shared, somebody coming back uh, and, and, you know, somebody, a 20-year-old who, you know, had their entire life ahead of them, they decided to put, uh, you know, country before themselves, volunteer, and, and go over to a foreign country to defend our liberties. Um, you know, that's something that, that a lot of folks just kind of, they don't see because it doesn't touch them. And so, especially on Memorial Day, I, I think it is just so absolutely critical to thank, you know, folks that have served in the past, but especially the ones that are currently serving and, and currently shouldering that sacrifice, the service members and, and their family members who are the ones that, that have to deal with this, uh, because without them, uh, you know, we would, uh, we would have a, a really tough uh, kind of, you know, 
way to go here going forward with everything that's currently going on in the world. And no, there's no question do, about that. I know. And I know that you're, uh, with the choice that you've made for your car- uh, career, Phil, that you're touching those lives every single day. And one of the services that the association provides is in, is in the area of uh, transitioning when our not only the officers but their families are, are making that transition back to civilian life. Uh, you're there to help support them. Tell us a little bit about the resources that you make available. Well, you know, we're we're actually just kind of one, uh, you know, I guess, one small cog in the in the big transition wheel. But what, where we provide a lot of expertise, uh, particularly for military officers, is in two key areas. The first one is in the actual career transition itself, and MOAA has a uh, an internal group. Uh, called TOPS, which stands for the Officer Placement Service. And this service does uh, all kinds of different things. We re- review member resumes at no charge and help them kind of turn their militaries into civilianese so they can make a, a more direct connection with uh, you know, civilian employers who may not be up on all the latest military lingo. We've got a very robust robust rather jobs data bank uh, with a lot of the top defense uh, you know contractors and organizations that, that work around the defense uh, criteria and when those folks have jobs that, that you know have certain requirements they know that people that come through our association uh, they often have a really good chance of filling that job by coming to us and, and matching up the, the resume with the particular opportunity. And then, of course, the TOPS group are the folks that run our career fairs, which we have several in the D.C. area, one in the spring and one in the fall each year. And then we partner with several organizations uh, to do additional career fairs all around the country. And those typically will uh, bring in anywhere between about, uh, you know, somewhere in the, the 150 to 200 employer range and have attendees that are usually in about the 1,100 to 1,200 uh, person range, uh, and we're military friendly. Uh, everybody who's uh, you know, military affiliated is open to come, uh, but a lot of folks in, uh, in in uniform will be on the floor, you know, talking to different uh, organizations that want to access their their expertise and, and bring them on board. So that's the tr- that's the transition side, and then the other side, which is the area that I work in directly, is in the in the benefits information side. So we are explaining to retiring military members, um, you know, what to do with their TSP and how to make the survivor benefit plan decision that they're required to make when they retire and what some of the things that they need to think about from an employment standpoint, from a, a utilization of their military benefits and VA benefit standpoint, and from the financial standpoint, what are the key things that they need to pay attention to? And then we try to give them a step-by-step plan or action plan to put in place through their transition to make sure that they're, uh, they're covering all those bases and kind of hitting on all cylinders, if you will, as they make that critical transition. Well, excellent. I wanted just to point out, too, uh, Phil, that Total Career Success also has a resource for veterans. It's a free uh, area, kind of a blog, set up like a blog. And uh, so we encourage our uh, veterans that might be listening to go to www.totalcareersuccess.com, and there will be a link uh, specifically for the veterans resource. And, Phil, the thing that Larry Phillips was talking about is that <clears throat> veterans are being served. It doesn't necessarily matter whom, who it's by, uh, you know, whether you do it or we do it or any, as long as veterans are being served. Because the, the thing that I know you feel so strongly about is there's so many veterans living under bridges and selling papers on corners, and, and there are so many services for them that are available, and many of them either don't know about it, and I know that many of them don't like the bureaucracy and don't want any part of it, but as long as we're constantly reaching out and doing everything we possibly can to uh, to help as many as possible, I think we're we're all doing as much as we can. 
Well, Ken, I, you know, I think that's a great point if I could just interject because there are a ton of resources out there. But sometimes there is, is that disconnect between the, the resources that are available through organizations like yours, through our association, and through, you know, really dozens of other associations that are out there, plus what the VA and, and the services themselves do. But a lot of times it's just getting the information to the end user in a way that they understand and make sense to them, and then oftentimes just you know giving them a little nudge, whether it's a gentle nudge or, or maybe sometimes a little bit of a harder shove, uh, to go ahead and take advantage of those. Because I think a lot of a lot of folks that are, are in the military, you know, they don't want to be a bother, they don't want to be a burden. Uh, sometimes they're a little bit shy about asking for assistance, um, and so I, I think it's just a it's just critical for the, uh, the service providers like, like your group and, and our association and the other ones out there to really take that last final step and extend a hand to help the service member take advantage or the veteran take advantage of what's out there and available to, to make their lives better. And as Cheryl can tell you, I'm always thinking of uh, you know, bigger and better ways to do things. And uh, one of the things we do is uh, University of Phoenix is one of our partners, and we've had uh, the president of the University of Phoenix on. And, by the way, he has two sons who, in our first show, were active Marine Corps officers in Iraq, and in our second show, they had retired and are now back in the civilian workforce. But his name is Bill Pepisolo, and when we came on Bill's show for the first time, I, I brought in a Marine Corps camp and a POW camp, and it just literally blew him away. But one of the things I said to him, and I'd like to mention to you, and I'm constantly trying to get this going, is... You know, the University of Phoenix Stadium in Phoenix, Arizona, holds 73,000 people. And it's not just veterans, but it's veterans and their families. There are so many families of active military who, in many respects, are in real trouble. They're either at poverty line or below, and lots of times they're a mother and young children who can't work. And there's so many things we can do to reach out to them as well. So... You know, we're saying let's fill up the University of Phoenix Stadium with veterans and their entire families and do everything we can for everybody. Well, and I think that would be something that would uh, would certainly make a, make a big splash and would be a, would be a great thing to see. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned that sometimes uh, it's difficult for people to ask for help, and I think that's not only true of, of the veterans, but really people in general uh, sometimes uh, are embarrassed by asking for advice, but... One thing that we share with our clients is it's the best thing that you can do uh, is to let someone know that you appreciate them and you would appreciate their advice or their recommendations or you might ask them uh, how they got in the position that they're in uh, because um, people are so willing to share, uh, especially when they know that, that you're interested. Uh, what are some of the other issues, Phil, that you see in transitioning service members that they're facing that we might be uh, aware of? Well, you know, I think one of the big ones, and this is uh, regardless of if somebody's transitioning as a veteran or if somebody's transitioning as a retiree, because of the way military compensation is structured, uh, where uh, you know a lot of the benefits are come in the way of non-taxable um, items such as housing and subsistence allowance and, and things of that nature, and the, the the base pay is you know is relatively modest by by most uh, civilian sector standards, that there's a, a real kind of uh, disconnect, if you will, on what somebody's going to need to make in the outside world to be the equivalent of their their military kind of take home benefits 
And uh, this is something that I personally experienced when I left the service. I was a, I was a, uh, a you know, an O3, a, a U.S. Army captain with uh, a little over five years on active duty. And I did not sit down and kind of run the numbers on, you know, my total military compensation package is worth this. So I'm really going to need to get, you know, that in the outside world to kind of keep myself even. And I ended up taking, even though I went to work uh, for a major, you know, Fortune 50 company um, in, a, in a great sales position, my base compensation package was actually uh, a, a number of thousands of dollars less than what my military compensation package was. And when I got a little smarter about that, about that a, a, you know, a number of years later, I sat down and, and pulled out my old LESs and, and my first pay stubs from the company and kind of ran the numbers. And I was like, wow, I did not do this in a, in a very yeah. smart manner. And so I think that's, that's one of the key things is for you know, service members to understand what they're going to need to to really equate to their current military compensation because of the housing benefit and the health care benefit and things of that nature. And it does affect the folks that are separating uh, and are going to go into veteran status much more than the retirees because the retirees, of course, have the military retiree package with TRICARE, with uh, military retired pay, and with a number of other benefits. And so, you know, when I'm out talking to junior enlisted groups in particular and, uh, you know, ask how many folks are planning on getting out in the next couple years and a lot of hands go up and, and start to kind of have a question and answer period with them, you know, a lot of times it's because they've gotten married, they've had a child, and, and or they've, you know, met, met someone that they, that they want to, you know, enter into a long-term relationship with, and they're like, well, I, you know, I, I can't do that and be in the military. I, I, I can't afford to. And oftentimes I'll say, well, when you run the numbers, and of course I'll have some, some information for them on that, you know, you really can't afford to get out. Um, because if you're trying to raise a child in today's economy, um, you know, the number of skills that you've acquired in, in your first four-year enlistment may not be, um, you know, that marketable yet. Uh, it, you can take a real significant pay drop in total compensation leaving the military. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing that I try to get across to folks when I speak in transition programs is you need to know what those numbers are and have done some advanced planning. Don't, don't do what I did. Don't make Phil's mistake, uh, but do some advanced planning on that. And I think that's, that, a, that uh, that's an excellent point to make and, and something that we should um, uh, make companies aware of, too, that they shouldn't take advantage of our um, transitioning a military that they should pay them a fair wage for um, the work that they're going to be doing and and also for the servicemen to to recognize that they're going to have to make some allowances for services that they've just take um, you know just received and hadn't had, uh, needed to worry about while they were in the service so excellent points well when we return from break Phil's going to share more about the officers military association and give us uh, his insights on um, how um, servicemen in transition can advance their career. So stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please send an email to TCS on air at TCSWorldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Phil Dyer and 
We're talking about, uh, well, a whole range of topics related to the military and to our veterans. And um, you made some excellent points in the last uh, segment, Phil, about the importance of um, planning for one's transition and to also for uh, those of us that want to help to know that there are so many areas that we can make a contribution Ken, you had a point that you wanted to make. Um, I do. Um, Phil, the point I was making earlier about uh, getting the whole family in the stadium, obviously um, somewhat idealist but perhaps, but uh, not necessarily uh, uh, un- impossible, but so critical relative to everything we're talking about. Negotiation is a critical part of job search a total system. We teach individuals uh, to study the company, study the compensation package, look at all the benefits involved, and be able to talk to the interviewer about a specific base pay, uh, bonus, profit sharing, and all the other issues. And so many times people in the, ben- in the military don't have the benefit of all of that, but it's so critical that they have an understanding of it so that when they do talk to someone in a company, they are talking apples to apples. And the other issue I'd like to bring up, which I'd like your feedback on, is so many times companies don't necessarily understand a military background or an MOS and how it compares with a civilian job. So many times it's not just having the military person prepared coming in, but it's having the company understand and be a aware of what the military person coming in is dealing with. So they're talking to each other instead of at each other. Your thoughts on that? Well, Ken, I think that's a, that's an excellent point. Uh, you know, my personal experience has been that, you know, companies, even relatively military-friendly companies, and there are a number of them out there, um, they still really prefer to see the, the resume and the discussion, you know, kind of the discussion um, about the job be couched in, in their terminology. And so, you know, I think there, there is certainly an education process to get companies more educated about what it means to be in the military. But I do think it's incumbent, and certainly our TOPS folks, this is where they do a lot of the, the, a lot of the, the great work that they do, is in helping the military member take, you know, all, take all of that experience in their MOS and their, and their functional track and everything else, and then turn that into a great civilianese resume. Yeah. And, and then more importantly, how to, how to then communicate the benefit to the company of what their experience uh, in the military, what that means to the company, to the company's bottom line, and the, the folks that will take that step, uh, the, the, the ones that will go ahead and kind of go that extra mile to, to really understand that, uh, as well as understanding the company and, and, of course, having some interview and negotiation skills, uh, they're going to be able to land much better jobs generally than the folks that really just kind of say, well, I'm going to kind of take everything I did in the military, regurgitate that onto a, a four-page resume, um, and then give it to somebody who may have no, no idea what any of this means. And so that's, I think, there, we certainly want to educate the educate the companies to the greatest extent possible, but I think this is something that the military, transition military member must uh, take advantage of all the resources that are out there, resources like yours, uh, resources like our association, to make sure that they're basically putting up that best face and that most, uh, you know, easily translatable face to the private sector employer. Well, that's really uh, well stated, Phil, and I just want to encourage uh, 
uh, those who uh, may be listening that are in transition or if you have a friend um, can share with them that the total system will not only help them to draft that resume in a powerful way that will get the attention of a potential employer, but also help the um, transitioning individual to understand the other skills they need to prepare for an effective communication uh, in networking. And, Phil, you mentioned how important that is uh, in making the transition successfully, not just going to the career fair, but knowing how to present, um, you know, when you meet face-to-face what your strengths are and how it might relate to a potential employer. And then also when you're getting into that interview situation, how to be able to continue the dialogue in language that's understandable to the industry that you're applying to, to the company, and really doing your homework and your research to have a good understanding to know what that employer is going to be looking for. Yeah, great, great point, Cheryl. And Ken, I believe you had something to, to add to that. I did. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, the other issue that I wanted to bring up is uh, the fact that so many uh, military veterans, and not only um, officers but enlisted, have huge amounts of responsibility and accountability, and they have um, huge backgrounds as far as their technology is concerned. I mean, your example of you're driving a what, you know, $5 million M60 tank or whatever you're saying. I mean, so many guys have um, a tremendous amount of experience and responsibility, and that's something they need to include in that resume in terms of what you were responsible for. Your thoughts on that, sir? No, I think I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I you know, if I cast my mind you know back, I, it's, it's getting a little harder and harder for me to do it, do it as I get a little bit farther away. But as a you know, as a 22 year old uh, you know, tank platoon leader in Germany, I was responsible for about 12 million dollars worth of equipment. Exactly. And uh, you know, and and 16 16 folks. And you know, how many 22 year olds out there in uh, you know, in, in kind of your your first entry level job have that level of responsibility and everything? Exactly that's, my point. That's attended to that, and so it's it's you know it's not about just the MOS, but it's about you know what you've done, what you've accomplished, and the responsibilities you had, because those are the things that companies are, are really going to be interested in, and especially if you've made improvements, like if you come in and, and things were you know one way, but you instituted systems or created a game plan, uh, you know, to improve uh, you know availability of equipment or to improve you know the 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 physical fitness level of your troops or you know anything along those you know a lot of times military members tend not to really think about that as being important but that that's critically important anytime that you show leadership and you're able to make improvements and you're able to take uh, especially you know kind of vexing challenges for the organization and figure out innovative ways to overcome those and make things better, those are all critical points that, that must go onto that resume and must be communicated to the potential employer. And the other point I'd make is the uh, huge amount of training that uh, our country has uh, spent on, you know, making you as good as you are. I mean, it's oftentimes in the millions, and most people don't think about it and say, uh, Boy, you know that's that's nice, but it but it's hugely important, as you say, in talking to that interviewer and communicating your skills, abilities, and talents, and uh, it's just so important to bring all these things up. Well, I can say too, uh, since we work with organizations on the corporate side of our business, uh, Phil, uh, how important those leadership skills are in uh, companies. In many senses, are 
are, um, you know, have a skill gap in the leadership area, and they're seeking ways to to fill that gap, not just through training those that are currently with them, but also looking for the right talent to to come in already uh, prepared to to step out and do what needs to be done. So those are very important skills. Um, I wanted to shift back uh, here a little bit to the military service itself. Um, and, Phil, if you could share with us what the, is it op-tempo? What that op tempo, yeah, op-tempo. That's the operational tempo. And uh, anybody who's, who's listening, you know, right now who's, uh, who's on active duty or who's, re, you know, in the reserves or has recently left will know exactly what that means. But the, the operational tempo is basically the, at the kind of noise level at which we, the military is currently operating with, you know, basically back-to-back deployments. You know, I, I've met people that are on their, their fourth and sometimes fifth deployment into a combat zone since 2001. Um, you know, even people that are in the reserve and, and guard components, we're using that that element in a way that historically we've never done, not even in World War II. And so, you know, people are either, you know, deployed, they're coming back from a deployment, or they're getting ready to, to go on their next deployment. And, you know, thank God we've gotten away from the 15-month deployments that we saw in 2003 through 2006. Uh, for the for the army in particular, uh, because people need to have some need to have some some downtime. They need to have some uh, you know time home with their families. They need to have some what, what the military terms dwell time. And and we're getting better about doing that. Uh, but in today's op tempo, I mean, with today's op tempo, rather things are just um, happening very quickly. And what's ha- what's also happening is people that are getting to that kind of critical eight to twelve year mark in the military, they've been deployed three times, you know, their long-suffering spouse is saying, you know, if you get deployed again, um, I'm calling a, d- a divorce lawyer, or, you know, they, they're missing, they're seeing their kids grow up, and, and they're missing out on some of those things. Folks in that critical 8- to 12-year range, and, and the military knows that if they can get folks past the 10-year, maybe 12-year mark, in most cases, they're going to stay for 20. Um, there is a lot, there are a lot of, uh, you know, to Ken's point, very highly trained individuals that are sitting down and really having to make a decision on do I do this with uh, you know the prospect of you know probably another half a dozen deployments before I hit my 20 year period or do I take my skill set and go out and do something else and of course there's there's major financial pros and cons uh, to sticking around uh, versus getting out in the, into the private sector and uh, you know, depending on what your skill set is uh, you know you may do great leaving the military and going out in the private sector, uh, you know, especially if you've got, uh, you know, my brother, for instance, with his special forces training in the Marine Recon Group, you know, they're hiring security contractors that in many cases are doing almost the exact same things that the right. troops are doing yeah. in Iraq and Afghanistan, but at, a, you know, pay scales that are in the 125 to $250,000 a year range, exactly. de- you know, depending on, uh, depending on exactly what they're doing. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's an awfully tempting carrot uh, for these highly trained operators or these high, you know highly trained folks. Now, if somebody uh, is at the you know eight to ten year mark and has maybe been in a combat support uh, you know area and you know doesn't uh, have some of that skill set, their opportunities may not be as nice. But even contractors that are driving trucks in dangerous places like Iraq and Afghanistan uh, that are providing meals, I mean their their pay scales on those folks in many cases are are, are upwards of six figures or more. And so people are looking at that and making you know, decisions based on that. Now, personally, and this is speaking as somebody who is not going to be entitled to military retired pay, I, you know, I separated from the service, the, the lifetime value 
of a 20-year-plus military retirement is absolutely huge. I mean, in many cases, it's, you know, in the $1.5 to $2 million range, depending on what grade you retire at. When you count up the retired pay, the health care benefits, um, and with today's longevity, it's, uh, you know, an incredibly beneficial, another, you know, additional source of COLA-adjusted income that you can be basically never, out, never outlive. As long as you're alive and kicking, that military retired pay is going to be coming in. Well, well that's, a, that's a really interesting. Ken, we're going to need to take a little break okay. here, but when we get back, we'll pick up with those points. And uh, stay tuned for some other interesting uh, insights on transitioning from the military. Uh, so be, stay with us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to betterjobbetterlife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Phil Dyer, and we're learning some very interesting things about the officer, or Military Officers Association and some insights on the benefits for our um, active military as well as uh, veterans. And, Ken, I know you had a point that you'd like uh, to make. I do. Phil... I had breakfast uh, every morning many times with veterans, and one of the veterans I had breakfast with this morning brought up this point, and he said, you're going to do a show today, uh, bring this up for the benefit of your listeners, and that is so many, uh, both active military or individuals thinking about going into the military are wondering about the reserves, and now they've heard that, you know, all of a sudden we're going to have 1,500 uh, reserves on the border, and what are they going to do, and how are they going to serve? Share with our listeners... Uh, the reserve function and what it is and your thoughts and ideas and maybe even recommendations relative to going into the reserves. 
Well, when, when you speak about reserves, we really have two components. We've got the state National Guards, which, of course, can be, uh, can be activated under federal service in time of war, and they do all kinds of great things at the state level uh, through disasters and, and uh, things of that nature. And then you actually have, have the reserve force themselves, and these are to look to be to really augment or provide some specialty areas that we don't necessarily need on a, on a routine basis, but uh, in time of, a, of you know, basically a high op tempo like we're in right now, they're going to be looked at to, to fill in. And a variety of gaps. You know, I think the both the National Guard and Reserve still great places to go. There are there's some great incentives from educational benefits uh, to avail themselves of. But in, in some cases, the old uh, you know one week in the month and two weeks a year for annual training that model has broken down a little bit over the last uh, you know seven to ten years as we've been using the reserves in a way uh, that historically we never have. And so I think just as a not a, not a note of caution, but just to you know go in with the eyes wide open, uh, you know reserves are being called up. In many cases, their deployments are not as long as, as the active duty folks uh, into a combat zone, but they are being called up, they are being activated, uh, and so if somebody's you know already well established in a professional career, um, and especially if they're you know kind of in a place where they own their own business and they're a sole breadwinner for their family, they just need to understand that 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 potentiality would be there and, and plan accordingly for that. Okay, great. great. And uh, I know that you uh, are specializing in the benefit area. Bill, uh, can you share a little bit about the new GI, GI Bill? Well, the new post-9-11 GI Bill, Cheryl, is really a quantum leap uh, above the older MGIB. And uh, there's you basically you just the only thing you have to do to qualify for this is have qualifying active duty service, uh, at least 90 days of aggregate duty to get the, the base benefit from September 11, 2001, coming forward. Uh, and if you serve three years in, in, act, in an active duty role from September 11, 2001, coming forward, then you get the full 36 months of full-time educational benefits uh, at a rate that pays for the highest in-state tuition for undergraduate studies at a public university. So it will cover the, the in-state tuition and fee rate for that. Folks also get a thousand dollar a year book and supply stipend, and and really the biggest departure from the the um, the older uh, MGIB Montgomery era bill is they now get a housing allowance that's the equivalent of the E5 or, or sergeant's rate with dependents. Uh, for the zip code the school is located in. Uh, now, folks on active duty do not get the, the, the uh, housing benefit because they're already receiving a housing benefit, but veterans uh, or folks that have separated or retirees will, will get that. Um, two other kind of just quick things on the post-9-11 GI Bill. Those folks that are currently serving, uh, if they meet certain requirements, actually have the ability to transfer the benefit to their spouse or kids, which, of course, makes it very, very attractive. And they've got a great public-private partnership between the VA and about 1,300 colleges and universities that are, are private schools where the, the, if they're, it costs more than the current VA benefit to attend that school, the school can cover up to half the difference between what the base VA program provides and what it costs to attend the school, and then the VA will match that dollar for dollar. And that's called the Yellow Ribbon Program. So in some cases, it's giving you know, veterans, their spouses, or their kids the ability to attend a very expensive university, and between the base VA benefit and the Yellow Ribbon Program, the entire amount is being taken care of for up to 36 months of education. So fantastic program. As long as somebody's got qualifying 
uh, military time, um, then they, they will qualify for that. If they've used the older MGIB, they may not get the full 36 months, and so that's where you kind of have to get into the, the, the sticky wicked details on that, but a great program. And for your listeners, if you want to learn more about it, we at our, on our website have a great base that you can go to, uh, got a bunch of videos on that and a lot of other information, and that's at moaa.org, so www.moaa.org forward slash GI Bill. And they can go to that, and we've got a lot of great resources there. And then, of course, the VA website uh, has a fair amount of information on it as well for the new post-9-11 GI Bill. Okay, excellent. Well, that's really uh, encouraging to hear, Phil. And I know the association has an active scholarship program as well. Can you share how that works? We do. Uh, we, you know, as I mentioned, we are really uh, big believers in giving back and, and take our, our, our you know, le- servant leadership role very seriously. So the MOAA scholarship program is open to children of military members. Uh, if they're on active duty or in a drilling guard and reserve status, it's both um, officers and enlisted. And it's also open to um, enlisted retirees and officer retirees as well. It's a very competitive program, uh, but it provides a $5,500 interest-free loan for up to five years of undergraduate study. Um, and it is a uh, it is a competitive application process, uh, and I've had the the honor of sitting on the application uh, review board a couple of times in my time at MOAA, and uh, it's been really it's been just amazing to see the quality of folks that come through for these uh, these interest free loans under the MOAA scholarship, and we've got an incredibly high I believe it's over ninety eight percent repayment rate, so interest free loan that money gets recycled, and we continue to utilize that to to help folks out. Uh, and help. I, th- I think last year's count was around 1,400 children of uh, active duty, guard reserve, and retirees. We were able to help. And the secret on this, which I'll kind of, I'm going to share a little bit of a behind the curtain secret with your listeners. If you apply for the benefit and don't get in in the first year, a lot of people go away and never come back and reapply because we're only able to help about one in five people that apply in the freshman year. But because there's fewer applications for future years, we help about one in five freshmen, about one in four sophomores, about one in three juniors, and about one in two or 50% of seniors. So if you don't get in the first year, we strongly encourage folks to come by, come back and apply uh, in later years because your, your, your odds go up pretty significantly. Wow, that's a real inside secret. Thank you for sharing that. Well, you've had an uh, incredibly diverse uh, background both educationally and in your career experiences both in the military as well as in the private sector. Phil, share with our listeners some of the most important lessons you've learned. Well, Cheryl, as we kind of, I know we're getting relatively close to the end of our time here, so I'm going to share just two quick things. The first thing is is that, um, you know, we we talked about at the outset that a lot of times military members are, are reluctant to ask for help. Folks, you need to flush that one down the toilet. Pardon, my, pardon my, uh, my my French there, but just get that out of your mind because there are a huge number of resources out there to help you. And I found that when I've taken advantage of networks that are out there, when I've reached out to folks, to mentors, to um, you know improve myself or, or 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 really take a shot at opportunities that were really attractive to me, when I've opened myself up to help, that is when the help has come in. So I think that's a, just a key critical thing that folks must do is you know don't. 
be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to network. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And as a, as a side to that, about 75 to 80% of the really good jobs out there are found through networking. And so networking is absolutely critical. Well, let, so, me, let me add the other side to that, and that is oftentimes I go to breakfast and I have my Marine Corps cap on, and people say, well, I was in the service. I wish I had been, I, but you know, I don't know what I can do. And I always say there's so many things you can do. First of all, anytime you see a veteran, thank them for their service. If you ever see an active military in uniform, not only thank them for their service, but if they're at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, pick up the tent. There's so right. many little things like that that you can do that makes all the difference in the world. Reach out, show them that you appreciate them, and that just makes a world of difference to them and their families. I can. I, I absolutely agree. And, and I, I, I travel a lot. Uh, I do about 100,000 air miles a year as I travel around the country doing these talks. And uh, it's I, uh, you know, an air, anytime I'm in an airport and, and have the opportunity to go up and thank one of our, our young service members, I always take the opportunity to do that. And I uh, have picked up on my own dime, uh, not MOA's dime, uh, you know, a number of uh, a number of meals and a number of drinks and doing that. Uh, so I think that's that's certainly a, a great tip. You know, the last thing I'll just kind of share, and as as we 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 wrap here is that you don't, and this is for the military member who's either getting out or in a, maybe in a transition time frame and they're you know, going into the civilian sector, is really spend some time thinking about what it is that you truly want to do. And it, 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 spend some time going through some of the assessments that are available out there on installations. What are you best suited for? What kind of gets you really excited about you know, getting up out of bed in the morning? Uh, what are the things that you really want to do in your follow-on career? And don't just take the first thing that, that comes down the pike, because studies have shown that most retiring or separating military members will go through three different jobs in the first five years after leaving the military, and a lot of that is because people have not done enough self-assessment on the front end to really know where their, their strengths and passions lie. And so I just strongly encourage folks to do that. And, I, again, I found, you know, from my personal experience, when people do that, take, you know, take the time and effort to do that on the front end, it pays giant dividends down the road. Well, that's excellent advice, and I might uh, remind our listeners that Total Career Success does have uh, assessments available. We have one excellent career assessment that I highly recommend, and then, of course, the total system has a self-assessment included in Chapter 1. So we encourage you to take a look at that. You can find those resources at www.totalcareersuccess.com. Also, for our seven free videos, remember to visit www.betterjobbetterlife.com. And to close the show, we just want to thank again our military, currently uh, active, and also the veterans uh, who are all around this country and even in various parts of the world. We want to thank you for your service and uh, thank the families of those military and um, veterans who have also sacrificed uh, by allowing their loved ones to participate in serving our country. Thank you for all that you do and for the freedoms that we enjoy because of it. We let hope me, you uh, have a wonderful Memorial Day. Cheryl, let me Ken. wind up with um, thanking our World War II veterans. And the reason I'm doing that is because we lose 1,500 World War II veterans a day, and pretty soon they'll all be gone. All of our listeners, please thank a World War II veteran, and uh, they're, they're America's greatest generation. And uh, uh, Phil, thank you so much for being on. We sincerely appreciate and consider it an honor to have you on our show. 
Uh, Ken and Cheryl, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, folks can get more information on everything I've talked about at www.moaa.org. And uh, happy Memorial Day, everyone. Thanks so much for your service and sacrifice. Thank you, Phil. Take care. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for joining us this week on Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Remember to join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.